Welcome to the Frontline Response to Health and Homelessness podcast series. This series is based upon the articles published in the March 2020 edition of Parity Magazine. It gives voice to those with lived experience of homelessness, those working on the front line, and those that support the sector in delivering services to people who are homeless. My name is Dan Fleming, and I'm delighted to introduce our host, John Willis, who leads Inclusive Health for St Vincent's Health Australia, and our guest, Noel Murray, editor at Parity Magazine. As we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, both Noel and John will be with us via phone for this episode. John, over to you. Thanks, Dan. Welcome, Noel. How are you? Very well, John. Yourself? Uh, pretty good. Noel, you're the editor of this infamous magazine called Parody, and you've been involved in the publication of that for many years, and I'm going to ask you a little bit, few questions about that. But this magazine's put out by the Council of Homeless Persons. Um, yep. Council of Homeless Persons, yep. Yep, it's an agent here in Victoria, and it's got a bit of it's got a national reach, um, going to organisations, governments, and and agencies of, that are interested in this area of homelessness. So to kick off, Noel, I was really interested. How long have you been doing this job, and what do you like best about doing it? Well, I've I've I'm, I've uh, got a, the longest community service order in Australia. I think I've been uh, doing uh, parity since 1998. Uh, last century, so um, I think I'm a lifer. I think it's fair to say. Um, and yeah, look, I, look, I wouldn't have been doing it this long if I didn't really enjoy doing it. Uh, I do really think it's a really worthwhile uh, space in which to work in in the response to homelessness. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, homelessness is basically a function of disadvantage um, and other social obvious social factors and it's, it's, yeah, it's always been important to me to be able to work in an area where I feel like I can be doing some good with, with the limited skills that I have got. Fantastic. All right. And I've looked back over some of the past copies and you've been sharing some of those with me and this is um, this particular edition um, it's not the first time that Parity's looked at homelessness and health at intersection but, but the first pit I wanted to put to to you was with this particular edition. Was there anything that stood out that was unique or different, and perhaps why? Look, I think the thing that really stood out for me with this edition was was the enthusiasm with which all of those your sector partners embraced the edition. Um, I know, look, you would know because I've worked with you on this. That all the people uh, at Convincence were incredibly enthusiastic in participating in the edition. But what really impressed me was even though St Vincent were, were leading it, organisations like Alton Clark, CoHealth, you know, just to name two, were, were also really uh, interested and in, those are just two in Victoria, Kirkton Road in, in New South Wales, South Eastern Area Health Service. I mean, once the word got out that there was going to be this focus, I, I was just so uh, rapt to see uh, how enthusiastically it was embraced. And I think that shows not only in the, the quality of the articles, but just the sheer quantity. I mean, it's a 72 page edition, which is pretty big for parity. And I can honestly say there's, there's no, there's no you know, weak uh, articles in there. They, they all carry a, a, a really strong weight. So there's no fillers, mate. They're all, they're all gold class. Oh, well, no, there's, there's a couple of opinion pages in there. No, that's not, that's not true. I mean, look, <laughs> the, uh, that, 
the good thing is that there's very little overlap in uh, the articles, and they all present different perspectives and, and different uh, aspects of you know, what is a, a really fundamental issue uh, and one that, I mean, you know and your colleagues know about far better than I do, but, but clearly it's one that deserves all, particularly in the current context of COVID-19, needs all, all the attention it can get and all the recognition it can get. Yeah, we'll get to COVID in, in shortly, but just back to that issue on healthcare. Why why is healthcare such a big issue for those that are homeless, from your perspective? Well, basically for me, it's because nothing demonstrates more the inequalities in access to uh, healthcare than the state of the state of being homeless. And you, I mean, you, you you don't have any of the sort of resources that you need in order to maintain your health. You don't have easy access to all the resources to seek the health services you need when you are ill or have an accident or an injury. It's basically, the, the fact is that in my view, uh, for so many people, uh, access to health services is determined by their capacity to pay and nothing yeah. impacts more uh, and demonstrates the, the inequality in access to to healthcare than, than that simple fact that you know, if you don't have the resources, then your health outcomes are going to be all that much worse. Mm. Yeah, now, you, you mentioned just before when we were having a chat that you've done some interviews um, around homelessness over the years yourself. Um, who have you spoken to um, about homelessness when you've done interviews? Well, the very first uh, interview that I did was of a group of parkies down on the St Kilda foreshore. Uh, Aboriginal uh, people who were homeless, and yeah. it was a total eye-opener for me. Uh, the, the, the level of disadvantage and discrimination, and uh, they had all of the issues around homelessness. They were not only homeless in the sense that most people talk about it being without house housing, uh, but they were homeless in the sense that they were suffering from dispossession and racism and mm-hmm. social exclusion, and uh, and being just, just dispossessed from from their their, their 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 own culture in a lot of ways, and naturally enough, their their, their health situation was dire. I mean, you, you don't have to be a health expert to know that the mortality and morbidity rates of Aboriginal people are, are far far less or, or worse than than uh, the much worse than you know, so-called white Australia. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and that and that um, it's been a big change down in St Kilda, and that that wonderful word I learnt about when I lived in the UK, gentrification of the inner city. Um, it's um, I don't know if you've had the word gentrification in parody before, but that that idea of the changing landscape of um, inner cities making it very difficult for homeless people to well, it's becoming more challenging to find cheap or rental accommodation. Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, gentrification is one of the, the big issues uh, in terms of the response to homelessness. You, you still get people uh, today um, in Victoria when the Victorian government uh, wants to build more social housing say, no, not in my backyard. You'll ruin the real estate values. You'll ruin the aesthetic of our neighbourhood. The NIMBYism is still uh, virulent in so many uh areas of Melbourne and uh, if not Australia. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, let's, let's um, maybe we should move on to, um, and, and I'll come back to some other questions about your role in parity, but let's talk about COVID-19. It's obviously a big issue right now. 
um, governments across the globe are, are making some bold announcements um, and fairly unique announcements around the needs of homeless people and bringing agencies together, develop strategies and, and how they, they're trying to ensure that homeless people are going to get the right care at this time. But from your perspective and what you've been reading and, and what you're hearing on the ground, how do you see things going with um, how homeless people are going to be managed or treated or cared for during this time? Well, I have to be upfront about this. My only real reading on it is about the response of the Victorian government and the Department of Health and Human Services. And and, yep. and I only know the, the intelligence that my colleagues um, and our CEO, Jenny Smith, and others forward on to me. And it seems to me that Victoria, once again, is, I think, leading the way in terms of the response to the, the implications and the impact of COVID-19 on people experiencing homelessness and I mean, I, all, all I can say is that I think that the Victorian government has done a, a really uh, incredibly good job thus far and my, my, my knowledge on this is limited but it seems to me that they're, they're trying to do their very best to make sure that as many people as possible who are sleeping rough are given access to some form of accommodation in which if should they come down with COVID-19 that they can be isolated and cared for um, and that's the other mm. thing. And because I, I think Jenny put it really well in, in her editorial in, in parity, that the, the people experiencing homelessness can't self-isolate. They don't have a home. People experiencing homelessness don't have access to the, 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 the basic sanitary conditions that, that most people take for granted, a place where they can wash and shower, where they can you know, wash their hands 25 times a day, which is what I seem to be doing, even though I'm working at home. So... Uh, you know, just these really basic things that we take for granted are just not available to people experiencing homelessness. And the Victorian government has, has made, is doing, I think, its very best to make sure that the people who are homeless, experiencing homelessness, do have access to those basic facilities so that the spread of, of COVID-19, not just amongst the people experiencing homelessness, but amongst the wider society, can be limited and uh, hopefully mm. stopped in its tracks. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Noel. That's yeah, that's it's it's quite a challenging time, and hopefully some of these some of these things that the government has been saying about how they want to provide accommodation for homeless people um, in a way that they've never done before. You hope some of this might stick post COVID nineteen, but you never know. Probably not in some cases. Well, <laughs> well it, about like the. Um so-called new start or whatever the yes. name has been given now. I mean, you know, six months ago, the idea of increasing new start was anathema to the federal government. Now, of course, it's been raised to something like that people could hopefully live on. Um, and you know, hopefully that we will not go back to a time when people uh, believe that government should keep their nose out of things and, you know, small government is best and privatise everything. But, uh, yes. You know... A, my, my view has always been that socialism or barbarism and nothing illustrates that more than the fact that a, you know, a so-called liberal prime minister is, is behaving like a socialist at the moment. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Now, look, I've, I've never been an editor of a magazine, so I don't really know what it's like, but I can imagine there's an element of herding the cats and trying to get things together. What's it actually like being an editor? How, how do you do it? Well, the thing is that... What, what, in many ways, um, my position as editor is, is, is 
it's not purely editorial in that sense. I mean, I've, my, my job is to organise uh, a publication schedule for each year. There are 10 editions of Parity each year. Yep. It's been going since 1988. So um, there's a really a, a huge body of information and resources for any potential PhD students out there who want to write their PhD on any aspect of homelessness. And in fact, we do get PhD students coming to us wanting to access it because Parity is the journal of record for the for the national response to homelessness. And it's really interesting looking back on those, uh, those, those early editions from 1988 through to when I started in 1998. Parity started, strangely enough, as a, a Victorian CAP newsletter. For those people who don't know, that CAP was the Supported Accommodation Assistance Program, the federal government's uh, homelessness program at the time. And it's one of the longest lasting non-government organisation publications in Australia. So once again, I mean, the, the, the kind of irony and tragedy of that is that even though people have been working relentlessly to respond to homelessness, you know, as I say, I've been mm. at this job for 21 years. I mean, the problem is as great, if not greater, than ever before. And there has to be, has to be some fundamental question asked about why this is the case. And, and as, as Evan Rudd in a country as wealthy as Australia, why there should be homeless. There is no need. We are so wealthy, it's ridiculous that, uh, that people should be experiencing homelessness in Australia. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I look, Noel, we have to um, tip a hat to you, mate. Your, your commitment to this area has been amazing. And there's many people that I know around the sector and, you know, aligned to us, this particular sector of homelessness that know of you and speak very highly of you. So congratulations on a great career in this. So well done. We're coming to we're coming to, we're coming to the end, and you got a got a chance here. What I what I wanted to ask you was about a story or an encounter that inspires you to keep doing this. So you've been doing it 21 years. Why? What 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 brings you to keep making a difference in this area and getting up each day to do this job that you're doing, Noel? That's a very easy question, and I can say it was one of my first experiences when I started uh, at the Council to Homeless Persons and doing parity was I visited Winteringham. Oh, yeah. Which is Australia's leading uh, service for the elderly homeless. I visited yep. their site in Port, Port Melbourne with uh, yep. their CEO, Brian Littman. And seriously, uh, if you ever needed to know why working in this sector is worthwhile, visit Winteringham. But the people on the that I saw at at Wickingham, they literally were worshipping the ground on which Brian Whitman walked because for the first time in their life, they'd been treated with dignity. They'd been treated with respect. They were provided with accommodation that wasn't substandard. They were they were given the opportunity to, to enjoy life and to, to, be, to be treated as human beings rather than detritus and refuse. So it's very easy for me to say, I mean, why, why I keep doing this is because Brian and through his work and, and continuing work showed me that working in the homelessness sector is, is fighting for social justice. That's mm. it. I mean, um, you're never going to uh, become a millionaire working in the homelessness sector, but or <laughs> and it ain't glamorous either. But the point is that if you're committed to social justice, you know it's it's the front line. So that's a shout out to anyone who's interested, any young people out there considering career moves. This one will change your life, but it won't make you rich. No. No, it's, it's a glamour-free zone, I can assure you. <laughs>
Fantastic, Noel. Is there any other any other thing that you'd like to tell us about your your work, your life, and parody um, as we come to the close of this this conversation? Anything that you'd like to add? Oh, look, I think that I have noticed there has been a lot of change in the response to homelessness in the, the time I've been fortunate enough to have this job, and I really think that fortunately we are moving uh, away from responding to homelessness just ameliorating it and, and saying, you know, the poor will always be with us. We are now talking about the reality of ending homelessness. We are yeah. we're talking about the fact that we can prevent homelessness. But there's, there's nothing inevitable about people being homeless. Homelessness is a function of poverty. Poverty is a function of inequality. Inequality is a function of the way that we've all gone about society and our economy. And those things can be changed. And that's the bottom line. It does not have to be like this. We can collectively change this. Oh, that's a really hope-filled, positive message, Noel. Look, that's really excellent. I, I, I do think that um, Council Homeless Persons has for many, many years and Parity has a really important voice and to continue to push that social justice perspective. And look, you know, for those that haven't, don't know about Winteringham, definitely check them out. Um, there's information online a wonderful agency that's done some amazing work and continues to do some incredible work um, for some, some, some people that have been very broken by the, the injustice and structures in society. Noel, look, thank you so much and may you continue to, to keep doing a, a wonderful job and hopefully parity continues. And thanks for this opportunity to interview not only yourself but also the other authors for this edition. So much thanks for your time, Noel. No, no. I also just want to quickly say thanks to Vincent for supporting this edition. It's been a pleasure to work with you and your colleagues, Samantha, in particular, Samantha Corey has been fantastic. So, you know, it's a, it's a joy to work with organisations that you're basically on the same page with. Fantastic. Thanks, Noel. All the best. To subscribe to a printed copy of Parity Magazine, visit chp.org.au forward slash parity. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music track for this podcast is called Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod host of incompetech.filmmusic.io and is licensed under the Creative Commons 4.0 by Attributions Licence. This information, information about our guests and more can be found in the text under the podcast description. Thanks for listening.